You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to a bi-week edition of the Mile High Report radio podcast. Uh, always uh, is with me, Ian St. Clair. But this week we've got a, a nice addition to the show. Tim Lynch, managing editor of Mile High Report, is joining us. Tim, welcome. Thank you. Can't uh, believe this is the first time we're actually getting you on the podcast. I'd say it's a little late, right? Yeah, I was starting to think maybe uh, you guys forgot about me or something. <laughs> That's I think that's the number one complaint that I see like in Slack when when we start talking about the podcast. When when are we going to be on the show? When are you going to have us on the show? When when am I ever going to be on the show? And I, I try to drop a, some subtle hints along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we like we figured it, show. we figured it'd be a good idea to get the managing editor on before we got some of the other ones on. Right, except for Lori and Hart and Jeff. Well, I'll stop there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the list is long but distinguished, so it's okay. Um, no, I'm I'm excited to be here. It's it's uh, you know the bye week, and just hoping to see the Broncos turn things around finally. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos might win this week. They'll win by not playing. So yes, I think. I don't actually, know. I I'm not convinced. I, I don't. I, I think Vance Joseph could actually lose the bye. <laughs> You know, I don't think so because it's it's all practice, and we know that that meme is uh, alive and well. So um, they'll have a good practice, and and we'll get they'll get ready for the Chargers. There you go. I you know I, I hate to talk about Facebook because I I know Facebook's one of those dirty words right now, but uh, you know how they do the memories. Uh, it says we have memories for you to share. One of the memories that I had from today was about the Broncos bye week. I think it was seven or eight years ago. I can't remember what it said. And I think I essentially said the, the Broncos were a three-point dog in their bye week. So uh, it was back in some in some other dark times that we we came through, right? We we sort of uh, got through the Josh McDaniels era and came out the other side just fine. And it actually oh, you said the dirty word. I did. Sorry, uh, but it made me feel. It actually gave me a little bit of hope. If I'm if I'm being uh, totally honest about it, I saw that and I thought, oh yeah, it, you know, history repeats itself. But if history repeats itself. We're we're in for some some good stuff here in the future, I suppose. Is there a Peyton Manning that's going to come in? I did you <laughs> I just did you hear my my sort of like uh, moment? Well, no. well, think about it. Who who brought us out of the the last uh, dark times? It was Tim Tebow. I mean, he's no Peyton Manning, but you know, you just don't know how or who is going to help get this team back on track and really that's just John Owen he's clearly focusing on the future and and that's that's what we all need to be focusing about where this team is going and and how they're going to get out of this hole it's a a really good point and I I think uh one of the things that we wanted to do during the bye week here was was do sort of a, a state of the franchise right we wanted to take a look at where where the franchise stands right now uh, which is fairly obvious, but then also uh, maybe be a little solutions oriented and look at some of the things that can be done moving forward. 
what to look for, you know, post bye week, sort of short term, and then that, that long term throughout the season, and then eventually kind of looking into the postseason. And and so I think I'd like to just start off right there, Tim, and uh, I'll, I'll start with you. I'll just ask you what what in your opinion is the state of the franchise right now? And I've been saying it for weeks. It's just we're in quarterback purgatory. You know, it's the most important position in the game. And since Peyton Manning's retired, it's just Elway just has not been able to figure the position out. He's brought in free agents. He's drafted guys. It's just, you know, it, it, people want to blame him and it's time to fire him and this and that. But just look how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. It is not easy. It's not something you just snap your fingers and boom, you got your next guy for 15 years. Um, I mean, you look at the Browns. They, they went through, what, 40 starting quarterbacks before they found Baker Mayfield and they needed the first overall pick to, to make it happen. So there's a lot of luck that goes involved in just being in position to to nab a guy who's actually going to be good in the NFL. And in my, in my opinion, until they get that solved, the team's going to struggle to compete for championships. Um, but aside from the quarterback issue, which is the – the harder thing for them to solve. They need a coach that can actually coach a team that may not have a good quarterback to wins. Um, that's something Mike Shanahan was able to do in the early two thousands. Um, and that's something, you know, a lot of coaches around the league can do with subpar quarterback play. If they know if they're good coaches and I just don't, you know, I'm not saying Vance Joseph can't eventually become a good coach, but his first two seasons, he's just not gotten the job done. And for me, it's it's all of that stuff. But then you add in the fact that and Adam and I have talked about this for close to a year, is that there really there is no leadership at the top. There is not someone to just hold everyone accountable and and say, where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And what are we going to do to fix it? And it's nice to see Elway. And there is a quote that uh, Scotty put into our staff slack about uh, a quote from Elway that, that, that shows you that he's starting to figure some things out. And it's from Albert Breer with his SI write up. <clears throat> and the quote is, and with some buzz starting to circulate in NFL circles, circles that NFL GM that GM John Elway has taken a special interest in the kinds of college concepts his division rival Chiefs have employed, which could be a big tip to his plans for January if things keep going his way. So it's nice that he's starting to to see that he has to adapt and evolve how he views his roster. But when you look at it and and see that there there is no owner. There is no one there to hold Joe Ellis accountable. There's no one there to hold John Elway accountable. And Joe Ellis isn't going to hold himself accountable, and it's highly doubtful that he's going to hold John Elway accountable. And then you look at the fact that the Broncos still can't get a corporate sponsor for their stadium. To me, that says just about as much as the fact that they can't find a quarterback and their head coach really s- still can't figure things out. So – it's it it really is an organization that's trying to find its way without a map or a compass yeah i i think i used the words uh turmoil a few times earlier in the year and uh disarray 
uh, are things that sort of come to mind. I mean, if you do word association with the Denver Broncos right now, uh, you know, we're three years removed from Super Bowl champion, uh, you know, contender, uh, perennial playoff team. And now we're we're about to experience something that has, has never happened in our lifetime. We were, we were talking about this last time. The Denver Broncos in my lifetime have never had back-to-back losing seasons. In my lifetime. I am almost 40 years old. So that is that to me is, is an accomplishment in, in the sense that uh, they are doing something that hasn't been done in so long that most of the fans out there can't relate to it. We can't connect to it. And that is that is saying something when you're a franchise who uh, has been one of the premier franchises in the NFL for as long as the Broncos have. And I think that the interesting part of that is that you can be a, a, a Cowboys or a 49ers or a Jets, some of those old school perennial teams and have back-to-back losing seasons, and you'll still be viewed as one of the perennial teams in the NFL. Uh, for some reason, I just I guess based on uh, sort of the, the national media's attention paid to Denver, and you just look at the Hall of Fame as an example of that, the Broncos have two losing seasons in a row. When's the next time you're going to see them in prime time? You know what I'm saying? That that to me is one of those issues where the the Broncos will disappear from the national media quicker than some of those other franchises, and so they have to stay on top. They can't afford to have to have these back to back losing seasons. And I'm somewhat hopeful, uh, based on the quote that you just read, Ian, but also based on um, that idea that I gave just a little bit ago. We we've gone through dark times before the Broncos will be able to come out better on the other side. They've shown that in the past, but they've got to get that ownership, that top-down situation figured out. Yeah, I think it, it was, it's was. it been since like 1972. Uh, it was the last time they had back-to-back losing seasons. And really, it, I'm not too concerned about the ownership. Um, I know that's going to be a problem. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, with, with John Elway in charge i just i have more confidence that the accountability issue isn't going to be as big of a problem because there's no person that i feel who cares more about winning games in terms of the competitive style the competitive nature that every story you've ever read about elway that's the kind of guy he is um it's something i can relate to it's it's just a different mentality that uh, a person might have when it comes to competition. <clears throat> and we saw it through 16 years in the league and the NFL. I mean, that's, that's, that was the driving force and his driving force coming back was, this, is the same drive to win games. Um, you know, he, he's, he built two different teams, one setting records offensively. Sure. That he had Peyton Manning, but that team scored 600 points in the regular season, which is insane. Uh, they get to the Super Bowl, get wiped out. He goes goes to work, rebuilds the defense, signs a bunch of star defensive players that that just completely transformed um, that team into a defensive team that ultimately carried Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl championship. So he's two and a half years removed from from that championship, and you know, replacing a Hall of Fame quarterback like Peyton Manning. We saw it with the Broncos in 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. It's it's difficult. It's a tough job to go through and try to find somebody to replace a personality like that. So I think this the first step um, in the part that can at least give us hope immediately would be in January for him to 
bring in a head coach that can lead a team to to wins um and with with a, a mediocre quarterback so um that's that's kind of what i'm looking for uh the long-term stuff i i just don't know how it's going to play out it, it is a concern but i don't think i think there's a way elway can kind of forestall the the bigger issues from coming to a head early on so uh that's that's kind of what i'm looking for is january is going to answer a lot of questions for me so what does that what does that say and mean for the rest of the season do we because there's we we had this talk a year ago and and fans you was either you embraced the tank so to speak or you just wanted to win the games because you're a competitor and you hate losing and you were an athlete at one point so you have this you have this mindset of the short term that it's all about winning. You never play to lose. It's it, it's the player's concept. It, it's not it, about it's, the you fans. play to win the game. You can say right. it. It's Herm okay. Edwards. Herm Edwards. <laughs> so what does that mean for the rest of the season? And and I'll actually go to Taylor for this. Taylor Koth just joined us. Um, this is his first time on the podcast. Taylor, what do you what do you want to see for the rest of the season? Do you want to see them compete and win and potentially lower their draft capital? Or do you want to just see them play the younger guys and have a mindset to next season and the future? Well, I think that they can probably do a little bit of both. Uh, you know, this draft class has been good enough that we can probably afford to get some of those guys out there a little bit more often. Uh, Jewel, for example, uh, has been rocking and, uh, Edom is uh, is another guy that you know just more playing time could probably benefit him, especially considering how many of our cornerbacks are are getting ready to be free agents. Um, but as for trying to win or or you know just focusing on next year, I mean, this is the Broncos. Uh, tanking really isn't a thing for us. So yeah, try to win. And frankly, it's a good year to take that attitude. I mean, Herbert may may not de- uh, declare for the draft and. Short of him, there's not really much uh, available quarterback-wise. So I don't know that it really matters if we lose a couple of draft spots. That's an interesting take. I don't think we you hear that very often. Uh, you know, your draft Nick people, you know, people who are big into the draft, like your Scotties and your Hearts. Uh, you know, they're they're all about getting that high draft, getting all that draft capital and whatnot. That's an interesting way to look at it. There's not a lot in this draft. I feel like last year's draft was just stacked with talent and. Mm-hmm heading into this year's draft i think you're right taylor not a ton of i mean not that the the guys aren't talented obviously they are but it's just not the same level of talent so go for the wins but is there a concern and this is this is the you know the the pessimist in me perhaps is there a concern that if they get too many wins we walk away from the season and john elway convinces himself that vance joseph really is the guy for the job and so vance joseph remains the coach let's say they win four more four more games which is I'd be, eh. I'd be shocked if that happened, honestly. I mean, uh, Joseph cost us the, the Texans game all by himself uh, with his decision-making at the end of both halves. And I just – he's been so ineffective, I can't really see them continuing with him. Yeah, I think I think the decision has been made in, in internally. And we were – obviously, that would never come out, but um, – I just feel like everything's set up to just moving on and changing direction. Um, 
and that's that's just a decision that that always made. I think he went against his gut uh, to keep Vance Joseph this year to give him another chance. I think his gut told him to move on last year, but there's a lot of whispers and stuff or whatever in, in, in the NFL circles about how he's just a, he just goes, burns through coaches like nobody's business. And, you know, there's just, there's a, there's a, there was a lot of pressure and backlash there. And I think John Fox may have, you know, been leading that charge, but you know, always got to trust his gut and, you know, he's that kind of guy. That's how he's always played. That's how he does his, you know, that's how he's been as GM. Um, hopefully he'll trust Kubiak's gut for draft time, but you know, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where I think he regrets his decision last January and he's not going to make that mistake again, no matter what the outcome of this season ends up being. We can hope. <laughs> I hope. Well, they'd have to come around and win a Super Bowl, and I don't. I think that's off the table. <laughs> I don't, and it's interesting. One of the things they that, can make the playoffs. One of the interesting <laughs> things, Les Shapiro mentioned this. He and, and I, he's a longtime sportscaster from Denver, who's been on TV forever, and done radio, all that stuff. And he said one of the reasons they haven't moved on from Vance Joseph yet is because there's still seven games left in the season, and that's just too long he thinks for the Broncos to have a look at an interim coach there's just too much time to go and it's not to say like like Tim mentioned that the decision has been made so it's possible that they could make the decision to move on from Joseph as the season wears along and especially with the next three games after the bye that they could make the decision to eventually just cut bait and 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 who replaces him you know, I mean, who on on the current coaching staff? I mean, I know there's popular people, there's coaches that are popular fans like Bill Kohler and, and stuff like that. But I mean, if you if you get rid of Joseph, I mean, you kind of have to get rid of Bill Musgrave too, right? And, yes, please. And Joe, yeah. So I mean, there's and he's got coaching experience. So I, I understand the whole mentality of just let's just finish the season at this point and just stay the course, you know, as, as unsatisfying as that answer is, it's probably the right one. Oh, pragmatism. <laughs> so immediately following the buy, I think that that's kind of the, the focus you can, we, we can kind of get into here. What do you hope to see from the Broncos in those first few weeks? I, I don't think uh, – I'm trying to remember. They play. They come out of the bye, they play San Diego or Los Angeles. I'm going to do that for years, by the way, so just get over it. Um, <laughs> and then is it – I can't remember. Who's, who's after that? Is it uh, – Post-Pittsburgh and then on the road to Cincinnati. That's right. So the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Bengals. I, I'm not necessarily certain I can predict even uh, a, a close loss in any of those. But what do we look for then as fans over those three weeks, that sort of post-buy, uh, you know, continuation of the Vance Joseph era? Well, I, I'm worried that the fallout from the, the DT trade, Demar- Demarius Thomas trade, um, could have long-lasting effects in the locker room. Um, you know, he was outspoken, um, dropped some bombshells about how things – are not going well inside uh, uh, the, that, that locker room. Uh, coaches aren't listening to players and 
the players are getting frustrated because they feel they're not being heard. That's that's not a good situation. And this team has been losing very close games, very heartbreaking close games against contenders, legit contenders. So they got a schedule here against teams, three teams that are two at least challenging for some serious playoff potential and another one looking to stay in the mix. So um, that this could this three-game stretch could either go like that three-game stretch against uh, the Eagles, the Patriots last year, or they can continue to have these close games where they're they're close. And I'm I'm hoping we'll see the latter where they're they're still fighting, they're still they're still close to winning these games or maybe even st- stealing a few. Uh, but my worry is that the the house of cards is on the verge, you know. It's it's on the verge of of collapse. So I'm not looking forward to post by Broncos coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a little rough. Taylor, what about We're still you? Better than the Raiders. We'll always have that. Yeah. <laughs> Are, yes. Is there is there anything Taylor that you're looking for specifically from the team, either on offense or defense? Uh, anything that you think they could do uh, that could maybe indicate you know progress towards the future? Uh, well, for the offense, one thing that I've noticed in the last week or two, you know, you see the tweets come out uh, that talk about the percentage of uh, play action passing uh, that you know which teams are doing the most, which teams are doing the least. Early in the season, the Broncos were in the top, or I should say the bottom five teams for the least play action passing. And that's really the strength of Keenum's game. Uh, recently they've, they've started using it more. And so I'd like to see that trend continue. I think as long as we can keep relying on the run game and actually rely on the play action passing, mm-hmm. our offense can have success. I think Keenum's had something like a, a 90 plus quarterback rating over the past four or five weeks. Um, so, I mean, there's still the elements there that can come together. It's just, a, if it does come together, it's too little too late. And for me, I I just want to see the coaching staff at least give off some semblance that they have any idea what they're doing and they stop losing games. Because the whole idea of a coaching staff, especially at the professional level, is to put players in a position to have success. You know they have the talent. You know they have the ability. But put them in a position to have success and stop costing the team games stop being the reason they lose games if you're going to lose put it on the players don't be the reason you lose and i view it a lot like refereeing or uh, officiating where if you're an official or a referee or an umpire whatever it is you don't want the focus to be on you you just want to do your job you want to be someone that isn't even noticed that's what I want from this coaching staff the three weeks after the bye. Don't be noticed. Just get out of the way. Listen to what DT said. Don't view it as something that you have to defend and say, okay, maybe this is something that we should pay attention to and try to change over the remaining however long we're going to be in this position and listen to the players do everything that you haven't done and whatever happens on the field happens but that's what i want to see i want to see a coaching staff just get out of its own way stop costing this team games and allow the team to at least have a chance yeah i I don't imagine that most of the people who listen to the podcast 
uh, are unaware of what Demarius Thomas said. If you're listening to this podcast, you're paying attention to the state of the Broncos. But just to kind of reiterate or, or summarize some of the things he said, it was it was essentially uh, the, the coaches don't listen to the players, uh, and he was lied to uh, pretty much every step of the way on his way out uh, before being traded. And losing his captaincy was something that really hurt. And, and I think what he really gave us a glimpse into was the dysfunction of the locker room, the dysfunction of the relationship between the players and the coaches. And when when things are good, things are good, right? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious when, when, when things are going well for a franchise, there's never an issue in the locker room. There's never a concern about the way things are going in a locker room. Everything is fine. But when things are bad, every little thing comes out, right? Every tiny little issue, every small problem, no matter, no matter what it is, you know, I don't like the smell of that guy's socks. Eventually, we're going to find out about it because that's the dysfunction of a losing franchise in the locker room. And Demarius Thomas, on his way out, I think actually did, uh, did a, a good thing for the franchise because it pointed out something that uh, needed to be said, and, and that is that the players and the coaches have to get on the same page. And if they're not going to be on the same page and if they're not going to work together, then it's they're going to fail. And it's been fairly obvious throughout the course of this season that they are not on the same page, that they don't work well together. And so what you are seeing is exactly this. You are seeing failure at a level that we as Bronco fans are just not accustomed to. Um, go ahead. Well, I was just, as you were talking, I'm in – the things we're, we're hoping we see from the team and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm looking at their schedule too, and I, I'm just wondering what everybody thinks. How, how likely is this scenario? Okay, they're, they're what? Um, three and six right now. Mm-hmm. So next week, they week 11, they lose to the Chargers, you know, three and seven. They lose to the Steelers, three and eight. Lose at the Bengals, three and nine. Then a stunner, they lose at the 49ers on the road where Vance Joseph never really can find wins three and 10. Then they win a few games just like last year. They beat the Browns at home. Then they beat the Raiders on the road. Then they lose to the chargers to finish five and 11. So tell me uh, reasonable. How reasonable would it be for that scenario to play out? I think that's exactly what happens. I think that's a likely scenario. I, I think the most likely scenario is they finish somewhere between three and thirteen and five and eleven. I think that's realistically where they end up. I don't know if I don't know if there are two wins left on the state on the on the on the schedule because I don't think they can go into Oakland and win. But that's just because the Broncos can't win on the road unless it's like the Cardinals or the Colts, and it's on Thursday night, and that game is not a Thursday night. Well, it's a Frank, Monday night, the Raiders right now are a, lot, are a lot like the Cardinals were. I would expect that honestly to be a blowout in favor of the Broncos because the Raiders are terrible. Yeah, the Raiders are tanking so hard. It's it's funny. I, I live I in Northern though, California. At, the, at that point in the season, the the Raiders and the Broncos are are vying for draft position. At that point, uh, are the Broncos tanking hard enough to lose? I mean, not not that, in that case. They're I mean, not going to tank as hard as Gruden. Nope. I mean, Gruden started tanking the moment he showed up. So I think that that's maybe an unfair advantage, right? He started the tanking before he even got there. But he plopped I mean, it out he, there and expected it to perform when he was hired. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're all right. Ian just plopped it out there and expected it to perform. 
And it, and it, hey, you it, can't it, double that up. I, I just, just said that. Well, I'm just, I was just making sure everybody knew that you plopped it out there and expected it to perform. Was that three times? I mean, don't we all? <laughs> there you go. So I'm sorry. Especially Taylor, now with a team with Chubb. Oh, no. Here we go. Taylor, go ahead and jump in here so we can get away from that joke. Okay, okay. Uh, no, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, this is the Raiders team that just cut, you know, they're the guy that had three out of the seven sacks that they had. And this, you know, they're the best pass rusher on their team. So, seven, seven. The Raiders win anything for the rest of the season. Did you, did you say they have seven team sacks? <laughs> no, they have seven sacks. Um, seven is a team? Roster, yeah, seven is an entire team. Their, their current <laughs> roster of players has a total of four on the season. And has oh. not had one since week six. <laughs> that actually, I wonder why they can't get sacks. Vernon's sitting heart. around wondering why they can't get sacks. You know, if only they because could find somebody pressure. to rush the passer. There you go. <laughs> you got that before me. <laughs> Beat you by one second. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But So do we all think that the Broncos are going to lose the next three games? Are we all in agreement that that's probably the likely scenario at this point? Uh, I think it's... It's possible, you know. There's no, there's really no sure wins on the schedule because this team is not functioning uh, well enough to be actually favored in any game. So anything can happen. And the problem is, is they're not getting any breaks either. Um, so it, I, it, it could go either way. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won one of the games either. That's just this team is losing close games. It's so frustrating. Oh my god. So. You know, that's where I'm at ment- mentally. It is frustrating. I would agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think I think if you look at this team, and we, we've sort of gone through it long term here, I think we're all pretty comfortable in saying that they're not going to end the season on a, on a, a, on a good note, right? They're, they're not going to have a winning record. They're not going to be going to the playoffs. And they're so, not going to make Mike Kliss's tweet come true. I, well, what was that? Well, come they're, on. They're in position, Adam. They are in position. Well, yeah, they are. They that is the record that they have. Well done, Mike Kliss, you moron. <laughs> Did Lori just show up? I just was. We need Lori to just show up. It's <laughs> just channeling my inner Lori there. <laughs> Let's catch everyone else up who doesn't know. Mike Kliss sent out a tweet of all the teams that have started three and six over the course of the NFL and gone on to make the playoffs, and he listed them off and he said. And the Broncos are in position. Yeah. To be the fourth one yeah. or the fifth one or something. Because yeah. there were yeah, four fifth. teams previously. I just, God. I mean, at a certain point, don't you almost hope that it doesn't come true so he can just be wrong? Well, it's not going to come true. I mean, it's happened once in the last 22 years. So yeah, it's not like. The, twice, the Steelers, the Bengals, it's not happening. <laughs> not in the AF, not in this. Not in this day and age, and not with this team. It's uh, they need better coaching, and and while we're seeing a little bit of like adjustments, and they're starting to realize that maybe they need to fit their scheme to the players they have, uh, it's too late. You know, I, I just feel like it's just too late to recover when you got when you have six losses with seven games to go. We touched on it on the last podcast, and I'll I'll ask all of you guys since we're all in agreement that. Vance Joseph is is done. It's it's just a matter of when at this point, not if. When that decision comes about, and 
we, I think we're all in agreement. We have one guy at the top of our list. If he becomes available just because of what he would bring to the organization at that point, but who would you like to see John Elway hire as the next head coach to replace Vance Joseph? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to let, you know what? I'm going to let Tim start on that one. I mean, the whole rumor that the Ravens might be open to parting ways with John Harbaugh um, after the season. He's a coach that seems like he could will a team to a win at times. Um, you know, we make Joe Flacco jokes all the time, and he's just a middle of the road quarterback, you know, and he got hot one year to win a Super Bowl. But that team is always competitive. Uh, I think they had like maybe one bad year, but he and Kubiak have a great relationship. Um, there's just, there's something there that could fit well with the current structure with Elway and Kubiak. Um, so I think that one right there would be the one that I'd be most excited about, but really I'd be excited about any offensive minded coach who's having success implementing the, the college schemes that are really taken over the NFL. Um, you know, with the Rams and the chiefs, just, it's, they seem unstoppable and you know teams are going to start chasing that and rather the broncos be one of those teams to to start chasing that right away so um that's that's kind of where i'm at and there's some rumor on twitter today that uh that elway was pursuing uh, or starting to look in that direction and if that's the case that might be like really the one uh argument where i, I start to wonder if harbaugh would be the right fit uh, he always does field a great defense and a disciplined team, but I mean he's been an NFL head coach for quite a while. I wonder if if that's the direction always wanting to go. Maybe somebody like uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator is his name uh, Bienemy. Bienemy uh, choice. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I, he Bienemy has ties to Colorado, um, which means he's got ties to Matt Russell. Uh, I, I believe. Russell was in that group that came after Bienemy's sort of right up right after, or they may have overlapped a year. Um, uh, my, my CU history is a little shaky. Uh, I know, I know some, but not all somebody, somebody will correct me. I'm sure. Um, but there is that connection there. That's, that was part of the connection to Vance Joseph as well. That, that CU connection, uh, which might scare some of us away a little bit as well. Um, I, I think that, Post, you know, sort of this postseason look. The the one thing that the Broncos really need that that I think is is the most important thing they can they can come away from the postseason with is some sort of discipline on the team. And I just I see this franchise as, as totally undisciplined at this point. And so a head coach that can come in and uh, sort of get the players in line. I'm not saying they got to go out and get a Tom Coughlin like guy who who runs the tightest ship in the world, but just somebody who can actually run an NFL franchise, uh, can, can be a head coach. Uh, and, and I really don't know who that might be. And I don't, you know, the, the Harbaugh, you know, sort of rumor mill is always one that's, that's interesting to listen to. Cause I think he could do that. Um, but almost like what I like to call the John Fox effect. Uh, and I, I know we, we sort of come away from John Fox thinking he was terrible, right? You know, part of the reason he got fired is because he, you know, couldn't understand why winning the division wasn't enough. Uh, and so he needed to go, but bringing in a guy who can stabilize things is, is important. I'm not saying go hire John Fox, but somebody like that, somebody who could stabilize it. Harbaugh is a guy that could do that. If you go a different direction, 
like a, a an offensive coordinator like Eric Bieniemy or something like that, are you getting a guy who's ready to take the reins of an NFL franchise and really control a locker room, or are you just getting a guy that can run an offense? And and I think that was the mistake that was made with with McDaniel's to to sort of bring out another bad word, you know, bring that bad word back there. Uh, Josh McDaniels was a hot offensive coordinator, which was great, but he wasn't ready to control a locker room. And so I, I wonder if the Broncos need that controlling factor in the locker room before they need an offensive coordinator that's like a, you know, sort of a hot young coordinator like Eric Bieniemy seems to be right now. And one way that you can circumvent all that is you bring in that stabilizing factor in John Harbaugh who can bring that culture change who can bring that leadership who can bring that discipline and then you bring in an offensive minded offensive coordinator who has that those concepts and maybe you you try to get the guy who is on Sean McVay's staff or you try to get somebody who is uh on uh, Doug Peterson's staff who comes from the Andy tree uh, the Andy Reed coaching tree um, maybe someone off of Sean Payton's uh, uh, offensive staff because they just lit up the Los Angeles Rams. And I caught, obviously they have Drew Brees. But the one thing that bringing in John Harbaugh would do, and that's what Adam was talking about, is it will, it'll, it'll be the stabilizing factor that this organization needs where you will have that guy at, the, at least at the top as a player where you know he's going to put you in a situation to have success, that you're not going to have those blunders at the end of the half like you had with Vance Joseph. That's not going to happen with John Harbaugh. He is, I think he's one of the one of the good, if not one of the best game managers in terms of a coach in the NFL. And it would be it would be fun to see him with a young offensive coordinator to see what they could do with this young group of rookies that they nailed in the 2018 draft. So that's where I'd like to see him go is, is if he's available to go after John Harbaugh. And then another guy who you could go after is John D. Filippo of the Minnesota Vikings. He's the offensive coordinator. Um, so th- there's options there. It just depends on which way Elway wants to go. So, we don't know where they're going to draft, and and maybe maybe we avoid the draft talk for today. But free agency is an interesting one as well. Postseason, are there uh, are there positions out there that that you think the Denver Broncos could fill in free agency? I know a lot of guys don't like to fill through free agency. They want to bring in the young players through the draft. Draft capital is the most important thing in the world for a lot of guys. But are there some spots where you would rather bring in a free agent? Uh, somebody who can bring in a little experience, bring in a little bit of, of, of that veteran presence. And are there any guys out there that you feel like the Broncos might might want to target during this offseason? Taylor, what do, you, what do you think about that? Right, Not to put you on the spot, but. I don't know. Um, you know, I'd have to do some looking and see, you know, who all is, is scheduled to become a free agent at the end of the season. I think a veteran tight end uh, would be a great addition. It's something we've lacked for the last year or two. Uh, even if it's just a, uh, you're just a middle of the road, you know, Jacob Tammy type guy that, you know, he's not going to wow you, but he's going to catch the ball and uh, move the chains for you relatively consistently. I think that'd be, you know, a nice upgrade to the offense. Um, and, you know, if there's a cornerback out there that we can find, that'd be great. Um, it's going to be a relatively thin free agency class for that, though. 
Tim, any positions you're looking to fill through free agency? Um, I honestly, I think, I think the Broncos are going to have to go young. Um, and that means not going, spending a lot in free agency. Um, so I think if they might target like the tight end position, like Taylor said, but also maybe some low end middle of the road offensive linemen, um, cause they do need more depth there. Uh, but I don't, I just don't see them going big cause there's no reason to, they're not in a position to challenge for a championship. So why spend all, why commit all these resources financially, uh, long-term when you don't really know where you're going to be as you build, rebuild the team. So I, I would like to see a, a very quiet free agency and then they need to start hitting home runs on their draft. You know, that this last draft class looks very promising. It looks like it's going to pay huge dividends and that they've had a couple of good drafts, but it seems like they'll have a great draft. And then they're just, they, they just whiff uh, for a few years and, and they just can't afford to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I'm actually with Tim on, on this, uh, have a rather low key, uh, 2019 free agency period. Um, I think one of the, it looks like one of the strongest areas in the draft is one of the things that the Broncos could use and that's defensive line. There's, it seems like there's a lot of depth on the defensive line in this draft. So that could be an area that the Broncos address, especially with Doma Dapeco getting older and um, Derek Wolf. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, where they end up in terms of draft selection, but also who they decide to, to move on from. That's something else to keep in mind in terms of free agency is who do they release or who do they move on from, or who do they try to, to trade um, who may have uh, bigger cap hits that they may not want to pay anymore. So that's something else to keep in mind too, going forward. All right. I liked it. I don't really have an answer to that question. That's why I asked it. <laughs> I don't have to answer it. I'll let you guys deal with that. Um, anything else we need to, to cover on this special bi-week edition here? I mean, I don't know if there's – did we miss anything? I feel like we, we've talked about so much stuff. Any, anything else we want to cover? I mean, I missed the, I missed the first half of it, the, the... – Something that's been on my mind this week has been uh, Bradley Chubb really not getting the recognition he deserves and what should be you know, heavy contention for defensive rookie of the year. Don't know if you guys covered that or not. Uh, we well, did not. We did not. Yeah, and I th I think you're absolutely right. I, I think um, I I did a, a little write up on him last week for my uh, my 760 post for Orange and Blue, but but you're right. I, he's I know that. Taylor, you've been looking into him a lot the last, you know, last few weeks, and, and that's something that definitely deserves some consideration. Yeah, I mean, where he stands right now uh, with the number of sacks he has through nine games uh, in the last ten seasons, he you know, would have the top sack total for four of those seasons, or be second or third in another six. I think one more sack will go up to would have been first place in six of those seasons. So he's he's having a defensive rookie of the year caliber season, and is on is actually on pace to possibly break the rookie sack record and to me it's just ridiculous that uh, you know you see the ESPN or what have you and uh, you know they're listing four or five other guys and not mentioning Chubb and that that might just be a delay in reaction uh, because Chubb started out really slow um, 
you know, he wasn't very good against the run early on in the season, first couple of games. Uh, he had like one sack through four games. But man, he has been just a beast in the last four games. He's that's where he's gotten all of his sacks. He's uh, he's got all of his tackles for losses basically in those games. He's just been all over the place. It's like something clicked um, after the first month of the season, and he's just been a, a different player out there. Um, so that could just be a, a delayed reaction, and, and no, in just national media finally taking notice and if he keeps on this terror the stats alone are going to be hard to ignore and a lot of the the national media that's what they look at and then and then they'll go and say oh what has he been doing and then they'll start watching film and realizing how good this guy is so you know he's close and he's his name is showing up on all those important lists so we'll just have to see if he keeps it up i don't i think we're going to start hearing him a lot more everywhere i think you're right You know, it's what's interesting, interesting oh, you it, say what's interesting <laughs> is that there are still because I wrote about Chubb a couple of days ago from the write up because I wanted to have a I wanted to put a positive spin on it since there is all this negativity on the on the website. So I wanted to try to break it up a little bit and I didn't want to write the same thing I wrote a year ago. But there are still people who aren't impressed, who are still like, well, he's not really doing anything. He's not really changing the game. And there are still fans, I'm getting them in my mention, saying that, well, I'd still rather have a quarterback. It's just like, what what is wrong with Broncos fans? I just enjoy the fact that this that you have another player on the level or could be on the level of Von Miller. I mean, he has the most sacks – through nine games since Von Miller in 2011. And it's the fourth most in NFL history. It's just, just enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that he's had, that he's figured it out, that it's clicked and he's only going to get better. Yeah. And not only is it, is it clicking for him now? It's, it seems to be clicking for him and for Von Miller. I I think that's the other important aspect of it. Uh, One of the things that, that you, that you may maybe miss when you look at things is, the, the defensive ends, when you look at, at the at pass rushers who play on the end, like Von Miller uh, and Bradley Chubb, is they kind of have to know what each other is going to do. You know, if you're going to go high, I'm going to go low. If you're going to go inside, I'm going to go outside. And Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, when, when Demarcus Ware was in town, were the perfect tandem because they knew each other's moves. They knew each other's intentions. They could tell what the other guy was going to do without having to verbalize it. They could see what was going to happen. And that's slowly starting to happen between Chubb and Miller as they're slowly starting to gain that recognition of each other and what each guy is going to do and what you're starting to see. And it's really interesting to watch one guy comes in for the sack and maybe he doesn't get it. Maybe Von Miller pushes the quarterback out of the pocket, but where does he push him to? He pushes him right into Bradley Chubb and vice versa. You're going to get that in both directions. And the more they play together, the more that's going to happen. And that is only going to continue throughout the season I think that, Taylor, you're absolutely right. He would be getting more consideration from a national media standpoint um, if this had happened sooner, though. If this had started right away, there wouldn't be, like what Tim said, that sort of that lag in coverage. If he gets another sack or two in the next game and then another sack or two in the game after that, he, there's no way he's going he's gonna to be ignored at all. And, and I really think he's actually he's got an inside track to the Defensive Rookie of the Year award at the end of the season if he continues on this pace. Yeah, and I, I just want to 
comment on on Ian's comment about the Broncos fans and, and wishing they had gotten a quarterback. I mean, you, do, do people? I mean, I, I'm not. I, I was. I'm, I haven't been impressed with Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. So, are you thinking they trade up for Sam Darnold, who hasn't been all that impressive either? I mean, I I don't think this class is as as good as people thought it was going to be. Um, and Baker Mayfield hasn't even played that well. Um, and I really like him as a prospect. So, you know, it, it's early, but so far, I, I Bradley Chubb with Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware coaching him. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please. And it's the orange rush. Yes. Despite how some people don't like like it, and it's cliche or whatever it is. I love it. I love it. It's the orange rush. I don't understand why people have a problem with that. I, I, I don't. I don't get it. You know but. what? People can have a problem with it all they want. There's enough people out there who love the T-shirt that have already purchased it that I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> there you and go. If you haven't purchased it, go buy it. Yeah, breakingt.com. It's it's one of their top sellers. Hey, we I did. I did three weeks ago, guys. I was I was a late holdout. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but in uh, in response to the, the comment on the quarterbacks, uh, I don't. I don't remember it was one of the scouting services. I saw some stuff earlier this week about, I guess, statistically uh, rookie quarterbacks generally don't produce much uh, even if they do play. And so while the 2018 rookie quarterbacks aren't looking super great at the moment, I think there's a lot of that story that's yet to be written. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was kind of trying to allude to that, but I mean, at this point in time, I just I like I like Bradley Chubb. I like what he's doing for the Broncos. I think it's their identity. But yeah, the quarterback situation, I'm with those fans too. So it's like but we have Bradley Chubb. Now we got to go find a quarterback. <laughs> but but we have Bradley Chubb. None of those other teams exactly. have Bradley Chubb. And I think that is the the one thing you can say. None of those other teams that have a quarterback have Bradley Chubb. So they're all out looking for Bradley Chubb while the Broncos are out looking for a quarterback. I suppose I would maybe be I might rather have the quarterback, but I'm more than happy to have Bradley Chubb. And really, for me, the only quarterback in that list that I wanted ahead of some of those defensive guys like Bradley Chubb uh, was Baker, Baker Mayfield. He was the only guy who I wanted, and he wasn't available, so it's pretty easy to move on. There's something else that's appealing, not just Bradley Chubb. You have two running backs and a receiver. And one of those running backs is an undrafted free agent. And and Elway's not getting enough credit for that, by the way. Another undrafted free agent that is an impact player, that's a pretty big deal. And Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, and Cortland Sutton. If you can get them a quarterback <laughs> and hopefully some offensive lineman, but it, I would like those, to see those Sorry. three pieces, those three pieces are are a good building block for, for an offense that if you can get a quarterback for him, it has the potential. Yeah. I just like to see Royce Freeman get more than 10 touches a game. That's that be amazing? my number Wouldn't one we goal. All? <laughs> yeah. and don't forget about Deshaun Hamilton too. I mean, he kind of has yeah, a absolutely. injury and timing uh, and everything. And we haven't seen. Oh, Uh Oh, we lost, we lost Taylor. We lost Taylor, oh, yeah, but, but he absolutely was going to say the, is, we have seen Hamilton. enough of him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I second the motion. Yeah, I'll third it. Yeah, and, and DT even said in a recent quote that one of the things that upset him was that he was asked to take a seat 
and get to the, to get Deshaun Hamilton more reps. And he said, you know, they didn't ask uh, Emmanuel Sanders. They didn't ask that of Cortland Sutton. So, you know, for a nine year veteran who's been with the team that long, you know, that, that, that stung. So, but Deshaun Hamilton getting him on the field is the, is the right move. It's just, you know, he did that, did have that injury. Finish your thought about Deshaun Hamilton, Taylor. Yeah. Sorry. My call keeps dropping on me. Um, yeah, I was just saying, once he gets on the field, I think we're going to see some some good stuff out of him in the slot. Yeah, uh, I think Deshaun Hamilton actually is is the reason the Broncos could eventually, and I'm going to get crushed for this, could eventually move from Emmanuel Sanders. My son just asked me today if I would buy him an Emmanuel Sanders jersey. And, of course, I want to, but I was like, yeah, but maybe in a couple of years he's not going to be with – maybe we'll wait a little bit. You know, they got this number 14 kid, Cortland Sutton, or 17. I don't know, buddy. But he was pretty set on Emmanuel Sanders, which makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah, that's why I only buy jerseys of uh, retired Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> retired players, yes. it's much, They can't leave. They can't disappear on you. That's true. It's a good lesson. <laughs> well, I, you know what? Here's, I am going to say this. I'm feeling much more positive now than I was 50 minutes ago when we started recording the podcast. Uh, I think that uh, the season's over for all intents and purposes, but the future is bright. Can I, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? It's always bright because it's orange and blue. Orange and blue sunrise and I like sunset. It. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely reason to hope with this rookie class. And you know, if we can find a coach and a quarterback, I think we're going to be right back to being contenders. It's just those two – most critical decisions for any franchise are kind of what's tripping us up at the moment. Good stuff. Ian, anything else we got to cover this week? I think that pretty much covers it. Look at us. So what are we, uh, what are we on to? Uh, a weekend of Vance Joseph, not blowing it. You've been listening to mile high report radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.